Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. We are not a spoiler-free podcast, so make sure you've seen the movie or movies we're talking about before you listen. I'm one of your hosts, Rai. And I'm your other host, Chris. And we are recording in the attic of Hell House. Spooky times. Indeed. We're we're in uh, Abaddon, New York. Uh, it's a totally real town, <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's a quaint, quiet town, 40 mi- 45 minutes away from the city. Um, we're still in COVID-19, so I'm not sure what I'm doing here, but Ryan and I are totally at least six feet apart, and we're in the attic, and we're recording. It's at a haunted house. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> so here's the thing. We all know from our previous episodes about how i feel about haunted houses and how i have panic attacks every time i go into them i love horror movies but i'm a huge pansy when it comes to haunted houses i can't do it but i would love to like design and run one because i think i could do that successfully Uh, i think you would like chris i want to do this i want to do this like with you like we have enough friends between us add it to the patreon exactly Add it to the page. We also have like enough friends between us that we could hire a fuck ton of scare actors and like be okay. Of course, that'd be it'd be beautiful, you know. And 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 if you're a good friend, you support your friend's project. You support your dreams. Support each other's dreams. No, I'm not not paying them. That's fucked up. <laughs> this movie. So again, like I said, like I'm a pansy. I, I there is something about my brain that like can't deal with haunted houses and like walkthroughs and i panic every time i go into them there's like real tears and and panic attacks my anxiety is through the roof i don't know what it is and yet i love this movie this movie was great um and and when when watching this film uh i i had uh oh god i I just I i lost the thought well i love this movie because um one, I love haunted houses, and two, I'm the most horrible person to be with with haunted houses, especially like if I'm paired up with Rye or we're going in a haunted house together, because I will laugh my ass off and I will cackle, I will cackle maniacally, uh, and I will just make my friends not feel calm at all. That's I'll just okay. Play into it. <laughs> I was talking to Rain about the same the same thing too. I was like, "Have you ever?" So I was texting her about this movie and this house in particular, and we were talking about she's the same way. She's like, "I laugh and they leave me alone," and I was like, "I cry and they come after me because that's what they look for." I was like, "I need, <laughs> I need people." Easy target, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like if I surround myself with people who just point and laugh, I feel like I'll be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm a pretty bad person when it comes to that because I, I remember my, my one of my most poignant memories. It was during college, and uh, we had this college organized trip to PA for the oh god the the wow I, I live near Philly. I don't remember. Uh, it's the asylum. You went to the Philadelphia State Penitentiary. Yes, yes, the the Philly State Pen. Yeah, we uh, uh, this is back in it is. So much fun. It is very, very great. Uh, such a cool experience. So I went during college. This is when uh, I went to college in Maryland. Uh, so it was like a two-hour bus ride. And it was a Halloween um, college-organized trip. And then uh, me and my friend, uh, we were 
uh, we were going. She's a huge scaredy cat. Um, I don't think she's very good about horror movies. Um, she could do horror video games a little bit okay. Um, but she was. It was. It was such a bad combo because she was paired with me. I was laughing and cackling and like screaming bloody murder, and she was just holding on to my jacket and like covering her eyes the entire time. Um, and, uh, there was a lot of short and that day, so, um, and the, the last thing, the last thing, I, I would, I've never volunteered or worked at a haunted house. The closest adjacent thing I've done to that was working at an escape room. So I've been, I've been in, in a, in a room full of consoles and monitors and, um, you know, operator walkie talkies. And like, it's kind of like being a DM for Dungeons and Dragons. Like all, all these people are your pawns and you're just trying to mess with them. And it's, it's very fun. So I think that's a long way of saying Ryan and I, we should definitely start our own haunted house LLC. Right. So like, that's the thing. Like, I feel like even though I can't walk through one because I, I'm going to have to, like, talk to somebody about why I just can't separate it. Because, like, I know it's fake. And I've done, like, I've been on the other side of a haunted house. Like, I I did it through camp. So we put up, so when I was a camp counselor, we decided that to make it easier, especially for the little kids, we were going to do, like, holidays. We were going to bring holidays to summer camp. And one of them was Halloween. So we had, like, a Halloween night. And we did a haunted, like, walkthrough. And instead of walking, I walked through with my kids because I had the little, little ones. I had the eight-year-olds, so they were very tiny. And I walked through with them. And then for the older ones, I was an actual, like, actor for one of them. So I was in a room that I was, like, strapped down with my arms. I would throw myself into the window to, like, scare the crap out of people. That was a blast. Um, and I did it in college too. I had a friend that somehow got permission to run this game inside of the library. And we spent all day, uh, putting garbage bags up and just like getting the entire library ready. I did makeup for everybody. And my job was I had to scare the shit out of people to sort of herd them towards their goal and like what they were supposed to do. But I did get called back into like a different area and they're like, you need to back off because they're really terrified and they're all hiding in the bathroom now. <laughs> so like you need to, you need to not be around yeah. for a second. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, I know I can do that. That was a ton of fun. I just can't be on the other side of that because like I will pee myself <laughs> as a grown ass adult. <laughs> I will pee my pants. Right, right. Crazy proposition. Crazy proposition, you know, you, you know the concept of of um, exposure therapy. So what I think we should do, we should go to the most hardcore haunted house. No, 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 baby steps, baby steps. Walk me through a cornfield first, but we're not going to McKamey Manor because that we've had this discussion on the show before. McKamey Manor is the most intense because you have to sign like a hundred and some odd page like waiver or whatever the fuck it is and let's be honest it's mostly like torture they can like waterboard you and it's not it's not a real like walkthrough however there's a very intense one in manhattan that is 
there all the time every year. It's called Blood Manor. Here's my other issue with walkthroughs. If they touch me, you're in trouble. I don't like being touched. Yeah, I mean, most most places that you you have to have like you have to have well well they provide uh, consent forms or disclaimers or waivers. Like if someone gets up behind me and starts breathing down my neck and they're not touching me, it's fine. But like my limbs have a tendency to just flail. And if I hit you, oh, you're, you're just defense mechanism. You're, yes, gonna, you're gonna clock exactly. someone in the and face. If I hit you because knows. it's a it's a it's a fear response, like I don't want to be held responsible for what happens to you. So, yes. Hashtag <laughs> <more rock. laughs> so it's like it's one of those things where I'm fine with it. I think that if I, when the world gets back to normal, what I really want to do is go back to my old stomping ground in Pennsylvania. Um, and go to Dorney Park, which is Ooh. a coaster park. No, wait, wait, wait. We got to go to the mo- the Motor Museum first. Well, yes, of course we'll do that. But I want to go back to Dorney Park for Haunt. And basically, they keep the park open at night so you can, like, ride all the coasters at night. But they have all these, like, walkthroughs and a corn maze and, like, a pumpkin patch. And they have all this shit there, too, that they open up during the entire month of October. So, like, I want to go back to that and, like, try to get through a walkthrough there before I do anything else. We'll get you acclimated, Rye, because we, we should go. We should go to the most spoopy ones ever. I would love nothing more than to just be a total fanatic and, and not feel scared and, and be able to walk through one of these and feel pure joy and glee. And all of this is to say... This found footage horror movie is about a haunted walkthrough. I know we've covered this before. We talked about the House's October Built, which I hold in very high regard. But Hell House LLC fucking gets me every time. It's so subtle and good. And it just, oh, it fucks with me every time. And I know it's coming. It's just, oh, it's so good. And it, and it definitely, I feel it definitely has that low budget feel. Um, um, but not that's not like a criticism. It, uh, it, I feel, I feel like this is definitely like a shoestring budget sort of film. But like, it works with what it got. It like it, and it deals with simple tricks. Um, or simple, or like it, it does. Yes, it, it gets. It has a slight amount of tropiness, but. I, in general, with working with what they got, like I, I assume, um, um, I mean, there, there's not that much gore, and there's not that much, like, advanced practical effects. But what it makes up for it, it like, it's really smart editing and angles and shots and cinematography, and like the actors are all great. So like, it's, it's a, it's just a, it's a true indie darling. I had so much fun watching this film. And um, I'm really glad that um, you know Shutter picked it up for the follow-up sequels, and uh, I, it got a ton of acclaim uh, when it was released. Uh, I know it was it had its premiere at a uh, I think it was like a horror horror festival or horror film festival. I think I so. Yeah. Yes, and then they, I think it won an award during that. Um, oh, um, festival so congratulations to them and and now we have two follow-up sequels which will 
a review in the, the next episode. That's the next episode. So basically what attracted me to this movie, I think it's sort of the same thing that attracts a lot of people to these kind of uh, haunted house, like subgenre found footage movies, not even found footage necessarily, just like haunted house uh, films is right around September, October, right before Halloween. There always seems to be a movie like this that comes out. And I always want to give it, want to give haunted house movies the benefit of the doubt and watch them. And I have to tell you, I, I saw the trailer for this movie before I watched it and I did not have high hopes for it. I went in with very low expectations and I was so pleasantly surprised because between the chemistry of the cast and the way everything was done. And it's really what gets you in this movie, I think, are just like the subtleties. And I'm not afraid of clowns, but that fucking clown that is throughout this movie, there is just, it's so, oh, it's just, it's really, it's like the subtle things, um, especially right before everything gets really bad and those scenes with Paul and the clowns just turning their heads or doing anything else. There is something that this movie gets right. And I think is what makes it really fucking successful and really horrifying, <laughs> horrifying. It's not just the tragedy that like befalls all these people in the film. It's the way they build everything up. And by the time at the end of the movie when opening night happens, you feel the tension surrounding it because they're all tense. Not just because things have been going awry in building this hotel and, and building this um, this haunt and their relationships in general. There's just... there's They're not sleeping. There's weird shit going on and they can't explain it, but it's there's just there's so much and it's such a good payoff see right if 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 you and i were making a hell house we will be smart we will not stay at the same haunted hotel that we were we are building that's the other thing i'm not staying there if we're using a previous like actual hotel that the owner killed himself in as a haunt that's cute i'll be there during the daytime but when the sun goes down you won't catch me on that property <laughs> I'm going back to a hotel. I don't care if it's a half an hour away. Also, we'll be joining like circles of salt and then uh, like uh, dabbing holy water around the door frame. And the whole house is just going to get yes, salted. Exactly. Okay. No, no, we're going to get, we're going to get Chris uh, uh, and everyone else from Iron, Silver, and Salt. Just, Iron, Silver, just, and just Salt. Just as yes. uh, consultants. Hey, okay, okay. We're, we're, we're going to be building our own haunted house. There might be some subtle demon possession at work here. We need y'all to come check yes. this shit out with us. Uh, I <laughs> just, I mean, there, there's just, between the music on the piano, which I think will haunt you more than you think it will, when thing, the subtle things that's, that we take for granted, that like, quote unquote, go bump in the night, that you don't really think about, um, I know that there are, flashes of entities dispersed throughout this movie and if you call all of them the first time through you are far more observant than i am but it took me a couple of watches to 
to peg every single one of them that pop up in every single scene. And they're very quick and they're very subtle. Yeah, besides the shots where the editing like does a freeze frame and it, it yeah. I mean the the movie the movie alternates between documentary and thriller film and um but it it rides that balance really well so it, it's um like it, you don't it never takes it up too seriously like um okay well i guess it, it's not quite blair witch where it tries to be complete documentary um but whenever they do those snapshots it's like it's like a tongue-in-cheek kind of way of telling you oh this is still actually just a horror film but you're in on the joke with us. And I, I really appreciate that kind of approach. I just, I, I love the way they did all of this. And what I learned this go around that I hadn't known before that was the, the place called the Abaddon Hotel, like the place where they filmed this, is a real hotel in PA that is a real haunt that you can go to. And I know that because the woman who is who was the set designer for this movie owns the establishment and runs the haunt. Yeah, it's it's specifically called the haunt the haunting at the Waldorf Hotel in Lehighton, Pennsylvania. Uh, the the manager and the film set designer is Angie Moyer. And I'm curious, I wonder how far away Lehighton is from me. Because I live like 40 minutes north of Philly. It's also it's also changed hands, I think, since it was established. In 2016, they changed the name from the haunting at the Wal- at the Waldorf Hotel to Waldorf Estate of Fear. So they have new attractions and this whole thing. I mean, I've heard that what you pay for for this is actually worth your fucking dough. And you can actually they offer different things, but you can actually do a walkthrough at this hotel so like you and i could do a haunted walkthrough which i'm not ready for at the quote-unquote abaddon hotel oh that would be really cool um actually this hotel or this uh this haunt is about an hour north so it's not really that far from me okay great you're driving once i get there yay the attraction itself this is separate from the movie but the attraction itself the like quote-unquote synopsis of the attraction is a portal to hell has opened and the demons have possessed our once friendly establishment so you're basically walking through a old hotel that a portal to hell has opened up into it's very cool and i mean that that makes a lot of sense because for hell house they i mean they filmed it with within the actual haunt um they made some modifications they made some set pieces and other mods um but i wonder if that original haunt was the was like the impetus for this storyline now this storyline like uh it never really uh focused too too much on like the demonic portal demonic position aspect i mean at the most it's like background set piece dressing when they discovered the basement they see the satanic circles, the pentagrams on the walls, and a bunch of Bibles. And you don't know whether or not Paul was being possessed or hypnotized. I mean, it's totally plausible he, he could have been possessed by a demon. And then you had a bunch of other figures 
in like these black cultist looking robes so it got it it plays into that, into that aesthetic but it never really explains it um it just constantly leaves it to the imagination i didn't know that was the original premise of the 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 on the haunt in um in pa so i'm doubly excited for that now um and yeah so so we should go normally i would address everything that you just said but i'm not going to and i'll tell you why because I want to judge this movie based on it by itself, which is another reason why I'm happy we're only talking about the first one. Oh, I guess the follow-up movies ex- explore the lore of demons, I guess? Well, I mean, we're going to talk about it anyway, so spoilers or not. <laughs> um, I have my own opinions about the sequels, which we'll get into next week when we talk about two and three. But part again, part of the reason why I think that this movie succeeds where some other haunt type movies might fail is that this this trend and this theme is a gimmick we've seen before. It's nothing new. It's just the way it's done. And you and I are big fans of when directors show but don't tell. Exactly. And that's what this movie does. And they give you just enough to bring you in and they wave just enough in front of your face for you to be concerned in the moment. And then they make it go away and they throw something else at you. So they threw the hotel owner in front of you and then they never really went back to that. And then you see the dining room table gets lit up with all these candles like someone's trying to have a dinner where Andrew Tully, the hotel owner, committed suicide. Or the clown that keeps popping up out of nowhere. Or just these little, little itty bitty tidbits. I had a question. That ghostly lady uh, that attacked Paul, was that the same lady that mysteriously disappeared? And um, she was a guest at the hotel, then she disappeared. That was uh, part of the reason why the hotel business got killed and uh, lost a lot of patrons. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So again, I, I think that this also ties into the building itself. Um, supposedly, and I don't think this is real, I think this is the lore that they just sort of built the haunt on. I would have to do a lot more like looking into this, although I did and I couldn't really find anything. So I, I don't think it's real. But the lore that they put forward for the haunt itself is that there was a man who bought the hotel and would kill the people that stayed there until he killed someone's daughter and then he ended up getting killed by the daughter by the father of the daughter that he killed so it's kind of the same thing like this last this woman was like the last victim and then the hotel owner committed suicide so in the real world the lore for this haunt is this really wealthy guy killed some, basically killed the wrong guy's daughter. And thus the lore around the Waldorf estate was created. So I like, I like how they're, they're very similar, but not. Interesting. That's great. I love that. That's really cool. Like, it's just, uh, uh, that plays into the documentary found footage aspect. Like, this is a story based on true events or true stories. And, uh, I mean, they just, you know, switched around some of the details, but the haunt and hell house they rhyme they have the same lineage so to speak so again the the biggest thing that i can praise this movie for is the really subtle things that they do when that strobe light is going off and something looks off but you can't quite place it until you hear over the walkie wait how many people am i supposed to be looking at 
and you know it's one more than normal. The actor that runs out and then vomits on the ground, that was real? Unscripted? It was, yeah, it was unscripted. Um, so I'm wondering if that's because he wasn't told there would be a, a, a third body or third person, like, hopping in and out, or maybe he had, like, a mild case of, like, epilepsy epileptic shock or or maybe in the moment it just literally scared the bejesus out of him enough for his body to manifest like a very real physical reaction i mean yeah that's i mean this this i feel like it's one of the most striking shots um in the movie um because like they're they're just testing strobe lights uh and then like and it lingers on that shot um uh how they how they recorded this uh sequence uh it's from the view of one of the workers who's wearing a gopro rig if i remember correctly and like the shot so he's staring at this hallway while it's strobing and it takes him a while to like re- like figure it out like and then so you see that you see the tension like the audience knows like there's like two and then three and then two um uh, and then and then they draw the tension more uh, by assuming the role of the audience. Like, hey, how many dummies are there supposed to be? Um, and and then he starts freaking out. And then they do that shot where the movie's supposed to be cut together like a post-documentary after the fact. So then they take like a, a quote-unquote screen cap um, and a couple of photos, and they give you like a before image with only two and an after image. Um, and then, then they do like a third image where they show like they showed what the third figure looks like. Um, and I, I love that. I, it was it was a very uh, soft and sh- subtle touch. And um, I think the the reaction, I I, I, the, I mean, it was a real it was a real real life panic and vomiting sequence. Um, but when I was watching it, I was like, this is this is really good acting. This is awesome. (laughs) So props. I think that people who want to make films on low budgets or what looks like a low budget and do it correctly, they should take notes from this director in this movie. They cast relatively unknown actors where they all sort of look like someone you might, you think you might've seen before, but you don't really know. And because they all have those faces. And I think that that, it's a really huge benefit to this film and why it works so well. And I think one of my favorite, one of my more favorite like subtle moments, besides the use of the piano, because I love that. When Paul sits down and he first plays that song, it's it's a haunting melody that is seemingly like impossible to forget like you know it's gonna pop up and i know while i'm watching it whether i actually hear it in the film or not it's in my head and i think that also says something about what they did with this my favorite sequence related to the piano was when they thought paul was messing with them and paul was playing the piano downstairs uh, and the melody so discordant um and then as soon as soon as they walk into the room the piano stops dead and they're looking around trying to look for paul and then it starts like the key start banging again oh it was, it was very again it's a little bit tropey but like it's just executed so well and there's nothing wrong with tropes i mean tropes yeah tropes exist for a reason because they work so well in the past or like the, yeah exactly exactly and tensions are already high it's they're woken out of a dead sleep by someone playing the piano 
you'd be pissed off too. You'd be feeling some kind of way. And if I had to walk around that place at night after being woken out of a dead sleep, yeah, my adrenaline would be pumping. I would be seeing things out of the corner of my eye. They're real in this case, but like everything just sort of builds. And I think that that's when everything pays off and comes to a boiling point, I think it's also just adds to the true success of this. This really, like, you really should add this to your wheelhouse if you haven't already. Hell House LLC and the Houses of October Built, I think I hold them both in such high regard when it comes to found footage movies that are surrounding haunted houses or walkthroughs. And maybe it's because I'm so scared of them that the way they're shot, there's like a genuine, like, homemade quality to them that you feel like you're like for just like a second you forget that you're watching a movie and it's it for me it feels like it's like in this movie's case it's being done by people who are just trying to map out their success and failures in running a haunt and in the case of the houses october built it's it's the success and failures of true fans trying to find that ultimate scare and they they found it or the scare found them <laughs> right exactly like they're both they're both so successful because they pull their shit off they pull off exactly what they intend to do and they're not shy about it so you know i just think they took something that we've seen before and somehow very successfully managed to make it something we haven't seen I love this movie. <laughs> they're they're just they're just they're just very talented. They're very the director's very he's very talented at all of this. I it's just I love this movie so much. I cannot recommend this one enough, even though in real life I would be peeing my pants. Oh no, we're gonna go. We're gonna go to Lehigh Town. It's gonna be great. We'll we'll, we'll pick up some depends from, <laughs> from somewhere. Uh, so I, I want to switch gears a little bit. So we we have um, a couple different character threads or character arcs. So I, I feel like the most prominent ones are Paul, because Paul, he's the one who gets most rattled, most freaked out, and then, and then he disappears, and then he becomes possessed and becomes this vessel or this vehicle for the dark machinations what's going on and you have alex who is the stubborn obstinate leader of the group uh you have sarah uh who goes um on her own the odyssey of like doubt and uh anxiety um, and then she too, spoilers, she becomes a vehicle or a vessel for the dark powers that operate in Hell House. And then you have a couple of the side characters. Um, so Ra, I, I have a question for you, like which one of those character arcs, uh, or just characters in general that you, you felt most drawn to or excited about, or which, which, which character thread was your favorite? I've always been intrigued by... Paul's because of his journey and ultimate demise. They're attracted to him first. I don't know if it's because he's documenting everything and they sort of feed off the attention and energy that the place gets. Um, but he is the first one between the figure that appears in his bedroom to the girl that ultimately there's something about that scene that gets my heart racing. <laughs> so uh, that scene, I find that scene so interesting because like. Um, the next the next day, where his bed disappears, there's clearly blood on the wall, and like the and then the the guy the whoever the the fr whichever one of their friends who's recording 
that that they can't find Paul. Like they clearly ignore the blood, or, or like they just miss it terribly. Or or maybe that's something a small note, uh, a small detail that's left for the the viewer. But there was definitely bits of blood on the wall, uh, you know, next to Paul's empty bed. It's like, oh, <laughs> they didn't notice that. <laughs> But I think the, the the fact that they didn't notice it also sort of harkens to one of the earlier parts in the film when they're walking through and they're showing the rest of the friends the hotel, the inside of the hotel for the first time. There's a figure that's standing in the corner that you will miss unless you like catch it while they're walking by. So it's kind of the same thing. They were looking for Paul. They weren't looking for a sign of anything else. and. It's because, as we learn, he has disappeared before. So I just, they're not looking for it, so they don't see it. When I was a kid, and I mean like very little, I used to have nightmares like that, where I used to think there was something there that obviously wasn't. And I used to do exactly what Paul did, which was like pull myself above my sheet and like tuck myself into my bed and just sit there and not look. So there's something about that scene with Paul that really gets my heart fucking racing that I think just adds. And that's my own thing. Maybe it just it just really gets me going. So between Paul's journey and what ends up happening with Sarah in this movie specifically, I know they're the only two people that we really sort of have any details on. But there are other characters in this movie that clearly have more information than the audience that I don't find as interesting because watching this film, you're sort of like, well, you got what's coming to you because you didn't let everybody else in on what was going on and the real background of all of this. So while Sarah, I find kind of like annoying, not annoying, but just sort of like blasé throughout the film. I, d- I didn't think the movie really gave her that much to do. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but she was pretty much relocated to be the girlfriend role. I mean, that was primarily her place within the movie. And yeah, uh, it was just, it, 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 or it was her being the girlfriend, her being tied to Alex, and just, and her being the girl factor within an entire group, which was all guys. So I guess to try to, you know, switch it up. Yeah, but you, we see that, we see that in... The house is October built too. It's a group of guys with one girl. Yeah, and I just didn't like they didn't they really didn't give Sarah much to do. Um, at least in the beginning. Uh, I mean, much later in like the second, third act. She's a very integral part to what happens at the end of the movie and thus leads you into a sequel. And there are a lot of things that carry through each of these films that you see in the first one. I'm not gonna point them out because I'll wait till we get to those movies to point them out if we don't like catch them first. But Again, like I said, I think that just all of those little things really add up to how successful this is. And this movie is a, is a force to be reckoned with, especially in terms of indie horror. I mean, say what you will about the second and the third one. We'll get to that next week when we, you know, when we talk about it. This movie, just even by itself... I think is almost perfect. They take they take things that we've seen before and yet they just somehow manage to make them original and make them feel real and horrifying at the same time. Like that when they when they're when the photographer when they go to the documentary part of it and that photographer is talking about the photos he took and how he was like I didn't go in the basement but I took the picture of those stairs. There's something so unnerving not about seeing 
the handprints on the walls or like the smudges on the walls because that's sort of whatever. It's that one handprint that's on the stairs that looks like someone got there and got dragged away. That's unnerving. And it gives me goosebumps. This movie is such a massive show to don't tell. Like it just gives you enough visual clues to like get your mind going. Um, but also leaves enough out where it's just you just assume the worst. For a few exceptions, like uh I know in that montage, um, in the beginning, they were talking about a, a some reporter photographer snuck into the haunted house and took photos, and we see all the blood smears, and by the end of the film we know for sure how those blood smears happen, like uh, Paul cutting his own neck open or uh, Sarah getting her face bashed in uh, and being dragged away. We see all we see evidence of that in, after the fact, especially when Diane and her film crew explore the house. Uh, but for the most part, um, it just lets your imagination go wild and it just sneaks in like these little tricks, little glimpses, and they don't make it too obvious. They don't go for the cheap jump scare. They try to build as much tension as possible. So by the time you're at the third act, by the time you uh, build up enough, enough dread, a, a little or enough of the context to realize all all the moving factors, all the building tension, all the weird shit that's building up to the disastrous opening night. Once opening night actually happens, uh, and once they show you the different elements from each person's point of view of what creepy shit went down. It just makes for a great like emotional release. And uh yeah, it was it was a it was a great ending. And 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 also like they also added some twisty elements um uh um into the narrative within the narrative. So the entire narrative or well most of the narrative we see is is from the perspective of the tapes that they uh record or that sarah and alex and their friends recorded but that narrative is uh encapsulated in another which is the story about the the hell house documentary being made by diane and her team and so and then that ends with demon sarah drawing and killing uh diane and her cameraman taking another victim for the house and i really enjoyed that i wasn't really expecting that other narrative to happen at the end they kind of just they held the cards really close to the chest um and they they dropped like a very subtle hint like the hint they dropped at the beginning of the movie was like oh sarah why did you wait for so long it's been five years like why did you wait why didn't you go to the police why did you keep it to yourself and then we see the reason why much much later because she's part of the house <laughs> yeah it was it was very cool so yeah i was gonna ask you about that the trope of they've been dead the whole time we've seen done to death quite literally and i know sometimes i get really irritated when that trope comes up and gets unveiled like fuck she's been dead the whole time how did you feel about that reveal i was delighted because really yeah uh i didn't think it was cheap i i think it just took the movie in a direction i wasn't expecting and you know they they held her again they held her claws really close to the chest they didn't really reveal sarah to be of an ominous nature at least beforehand now afterwards or during the film like they hinted to some weird stuff especially that scene where like her talking backwards <laughs> 
Yes, they're talking backwards, her facing a wall, like her like sleepwalking. And yes, it, it, you know, Diane herself brought up to Sarah. Uh, that was something else that was curious. Like, but Sarah, so after all that happened, you just got out. But uh, you just walked, went to this door, and she's like, "Yeah, I just went to the door." Uh, this is right after Alex hung himself. Um, so with that, like, I didn't have anything to expect. Uh, like, I'll. Uh, like of an ulterior motive and i think it's just uh after that i think it's just uh not on not had a little bit of time to think about it um i'm still delighted because it just plays into the narrative of what we've seen before like the house took paul and made it her made it its plaything. uh so it makes sense that um that sarah would have been too now i it the movie doesn't go or doesn't explain why it chose Paul or Sarah. Um, maybe they're like psychically weaker or more sensitive, or uh, maybe I I think it implies that Sarah's a little bit more religious as, uh, with that one scene where she's looking at, or maybe she's talking to the the statue of uh, the Virgin Mary. So maybe the demon's like, oh, I'm gonna corrupt this soul, this soul for my own purposes. I, don't, I think it was just great. I think I, I think it was just like a fun twist because I think at the end where they the original meta narrative ended, I was wondering, okay, so where are they where are this where are they gonna take this? Because, um, you know, it, it can't be just that because they they were still rolling footage, and. I was really pleasantly surprised, and yes, it, it, I mean, unlike most horror movies, it does set up for a sequel, it eventually does create sequels, but assuming if Hell House was just a one-and-done one, one and done thing, that would have just been a really great uh, shocker of an ending, I would have been happy with just that, and um, I, think, I think it was just a, a fun capstone to the end, and it just perpetuates this mythology, both in 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 the world of the movie and without like this house is still alive still breathing still evil and it's still standing and we should go we should go to the pa and and, and welcome ourselves to the evil all right so i'm going to say three things to what you said the first one being when we get to the second and third movies everything that you're feeling everything that you're saying just keep that in mind i'm going to like hold on to that when you're watching the second and the third one or try to it's very hard it's very easy to like get sucked into what they're presenting which i think also speaks to how well they pull these movies off but here's the other thing there was one line that sarah said and i remember from the very first time i watched this where i was like i think she's dead and that was when diane's speaking to her and she was like how do you feel now and just trying to assess her mental state and sarah says i'm in a better i'm in a much better place now and i'm like hmm I think she's dead. <laughs> and I, I remember at that point going, I think I'd be okay with that depending on how the rest of this movie goes. And obviously I'm fine with it because I can't say enough good shit about this movie. The thing that I think is unique to this trope of she's been dead the whole time is that she exists as an entity in the quote unquote real world. She takes physical tapes that are evidence to what happened and passes them off to a real life flesh and blood person so that we can see it. And again, this isn't like real, real, real. This is just in this universe of this movie. And I think that that's what makes it different is that it's not like a joint hallucination. Like there are people that are sitting there capturing this shit on film. They have the actual tapes. 
They're logging them. Ultimately, at some point, just like those 911 calls and those photographs, you know whether they actually end up making a sequel or not, that all of this is going to come to light and become public. And I think that that ultimately is what makes it different and separates it from that theme of they've been dead the whole time and how successfully they fucking pull that off it's great storytelling it's great great storytelling i yes it's, it's beautiful as always whenever i love something i get very nervous for chris to watch it again our track record i have a pretty low bar i'm pretty much entertained by everything i mean except the piquancy tapes yeah um i don't remember what was my reaction to that house is that jack or oh god what was it um well, the house is october built yeah, I you remember. loved it to the point where I think in the middle of the episode, you designed your own walkthrough. That's right, I did. Oh my god, that was a while ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of blurring all together. Yeah, I, I think for, I think in general, Piketty case, I'm like the only one that was like, uh, yeah. But like, this is this. I'm the same type of person who loves deathbed. <laughs> so. Um, or Uncle well, Sam. Well, there's no accounting for taste, Chris. Yes. I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I, yes, I, I, I had good, I mean, again, I went to this movie pretty blind, but, um, I, from start to finish, I was really, really enjoying this film. And, um, I'm very, very excited for the follow-up. I'm really excited to talk about two and three for a variety of reasons. But I can't say enough good shit about the first one. I can't. I, I recommend it to so many people if they like found if you like found footage, if you like walkthroughs, if you like uh anything like that. This is a great fucking movie. There's it's a it's a really honestly, it's just like a perfect fucking gem. And like I said earlier in the episode, I definitely went into this with super low expectations and I was pleasantly surprised and blown away by it. So I think that if you haven't seen it already, if you've heard of it and you go, mm, I don't think it's for me, take a chance on Hell House LLC. It it might change your mind. I agree. It did. It did for me. It was great. I'm very excited. I'm very, uh, I, I, knew, I know we had a lot of our plate, but I, I was actually kind of wanting to watch the second film, but um and we have we have, you could we just wouldn't have been able to talk about it on this episode <laughs> it's okay just, well, it's okay dreadfuls wait next week we'll we'll be doing the next two movies one more week and then we're going into the last two indeed um i think so before we go into ratings i just had a slightly tangent tangential question uh right what's your what's your um i guess like your top tier found footage uh movies um that, that you enjoy um hell house not in any particular order because these are all just found footage horror that i would recommend to anybody and i hold them all to very high standards for all different reasons so in no particular order uh hell house llc the house is october built the taking of deborah logan and as above so below yes they're all they're all different and brilliant in their own rights and you need to watch them I'm not like an elitist and I'm like, you have to watch this to be a horror film person, but just to at least have had the experience, I feel like you need to watch these movies at least once. Even if you come out on the other side and you hate them, just have, just go through the experience of watching those movies. <laughs> For me, I really love Wreck. I, I know Wreck, uh, Wreck is on our list. I'm not sure how far down the schedule it is, but 
Rex is incredible, and I, it, I, it's definitely one of the pioneers in like the new wave of found footage horror films. And my guilty pleasure, you know, feel free to at me, but I unironically love, love, love Cloverfield, just because I just love kaiju monster movies so much, and um, I mean, I. I wonder, I'm not even sure to even to qualify as a horror film. It, I, it might be more of like a thriller, but um, I know, I don't. I just love like J.J. Abrams' take on a kaiju film, and it kind of became like a cultural milestone of its own. Um, may, may, whether or not you think so for like the wrong reasons, but I I watch that movie all the time, and it just gives me such glee and mirth because. Uh, you know, it's just it's just a really great monster film, and it kind of spawned like this uh, unrelated trilogy um, that I also really enjoy. And just by itself, like yeah, yes, like um, some of the footage or some of the style, especially like this super ultra shaky cam, ha- like hand camera style it had. Like it's been memed a lot, but I don't know. It speaks to me. So I have a I have a story about Cloverfield. I've only seen it once. And I haven't even seen it all the way through. Okay. <laughs> and that's because I saw it when it was in theaters. And I got sick halfway through the movie and I need to leave the movie theater to get some air. Oh, yes. That's valid. Their shaky cam is so real. <laughs> if we want, we can we can chalk that up to JJ knowing exactly what he's doing and, and being really good at it and, and being very successful. No, 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 no. Well, now, now we're 2020. I know for a fact that... There are uh, camera handles with gyroscopic, uh, uh, yeah, like gyro. What's it called? Gyroscopic, like, okay, I I don't even know. Basically, it's a handle for your camera, and you can shake it, and then how uh, how the rig is attached to the camera. At no matter how hard you shake it or turn around, the picture stays stable. Like. That's what you need in back in the day. Basically, Chris is saying... There's no excuse now. In 2020. The Cloverfield came out like, what, 2005, 2006, or 7? I don't know. I saw it in theaters and I had to leave the theater. I don't remember the movie at all. Like, I, I haven't seen it since... And here's the thing. Like, I've seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I was fine with that movie because it, it didn't have any of that nonsense in it. And I barely remembered the first one, so I was sitting there watching it like, okay, okay how does this tie into the universe? Like, I don't understand. Because I remember the big reveal, the big yeah. monster reveal of Cloverfield. Yeah. I remember that very well. But I remember watching the second one like, what the fuck does this have anything to do with it? I don't understand. <laughs> it took absolutely fuck all except the circumstance from the first one. <laughs> So, I mean, this is not this is not the Cloverfield podcast. So, I'm so sorry for the tangent dreadfuls, but we'll talk about it. If we ever do the Cloverfield series, they they uh, on Netflix, they made a movie called The Cloverfield Paradox, which kind of rough, roughly explains why uh, well, explains like the the strange phenomenon in the first one, which is the giant kaiju monster, or the second one, which is the alien invasion. The third one involves, like, a, a supermassive Hadron Collider and being transported to the alternate dimension and weird sci-fi stuff like that. Um, Paradox is not a... It's not the greatest movie. Um, it's confusing. And... <laughs> but, that being said, I do still enjoy it. I know it's, it's a polarizing film, We'll talk about it some other time. This is another Cloverfield podcast. 
but if we want to add it to the list, let us know, Dreadfuls, and we'll do it. No, that was a long way of saying, I, I, yeah, one of my guilty pleasures is Cloverfield. So I, I can't wait for some of our later episodes when we get into some of the older stuff that I know I've seen that you haven't. I'm excited to take that trip. We have we have so many episodes, Dreadfuls. So many. <laughs> uh, I guess we should just get into ratings and... Uh... Let's get into ratings. So I, like I said, I, I love this movie. I'm so excited that I finally exposed you to this. I hope that you watch it on your own like after this and you just continue to enjoy it i hope you just share the weirdness of this film um as far as ratings go i give it five out of five hotels because i this movie still does things to me no matter how many times i've seen it and and i love it i completely agree um for the same reasons rai gave and it's just a fun romp and um demons i love demons demons are one of my <laughs> demons are one of my favorite niche interests so and yeah so I, i'll give it five out of five haunted housing uh wow I, i'll give it five out of five haunted houses and i am legitimately excited for next week to review the second and third movies which uh, i think both of them are on shutter so thank you shutter all three of them are on shutter um i know the first one is on prime as well I think the other two all are also. I would have to double check, but I know for shit sure that the first one is on uh, Amazon Prime and Shutter. So go check that out. And the and the both sequels are also on Shutter. I don't know if those two are Shutter exclusives because I remember seeing the second and the third one also on Prime at some point this year. So um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the second one is yeah the second the second one was 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 a Shutter exclusive. More details on that next week. More details on that next week. Next week, like we said, so this was all about Hell House LLC, and clearly we both loved it so much. Uh, next week we're talking about Hell House LLC two, the Abaddon Hotel, and Hell House LLC three, Lake of Fire. So that's going to be a fucking doozy and a half for both of those movies. I'm ex- I'm fucking stoked. Demons. I'm so re- Give me all the demons. <laughs> Chris is just ready for more demons. Is, is really what this is. He's excited. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening to another episode of Left 4 Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left 4 Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. Yes, and some friendly survival tips. If you happen to camp out at a haunted house that you're working on as a fixer-upper, uh, fixer one, use the buddy system. Two, <laughs> check your walkie-talkies. Look at the cheap ones from Walmart. Get, like, the... Spend a little bit of boxes. <laughs> Get the high-grade walkie-talkies that can... That could pick up a radio frequency from 10 miles away. And three, don't forget, stay dreadful. dreadful. <laughs> <laughs>